We are Gold Ivy. Our mission is to empower you to own and unleash your truth. Stories of resiliency are gold and ivy grows in hard places. Those hard places are what creates space for light to shine through. You decide what works for your daily life and how to transform our lessons into your gold. This is Ivy Unleashed, a Gold Ivy production. Real quick, what if we told you that your morning coffee could deliver powerful immune support, keep dementia at bay, and help you sleep like a baby? Or that you could improve your gut health and reduce inflammation with a delicious daily gummy? You'd probably say we're full of shiitake. Well, it's legit. And as it turns out, all of these powerful health benefits are hiding right under our feet, literally in the form of functional mushrooms, sometimes referred to as adaptogens. Adaptogens are fancy plants and fungi chock full science-backed benefits to help your body restore, defend, and perform every single day. Earth and Star is our favorite line of super premium adaptogen-infused goodies. They've got organic ground coffee, rich dark roast, hazelnut, my favorite, and even decaf, all boosted with a powerful dose of adaptogen extracts to give you the most delicious morning brew with zero crash or jitters. Zero. But is it actual coffee or that weird, muddy-tasting coffee replacement you have to mix and froth yourself and then act like it tastes good? No, it's actual coffee just with added extracts for powerful focus, sustained energy, and no anxiety. And I just need everybody to know that I can tell a huge difference between when I have Earth and Star mushroom coffee versus any other brand. In my morning routine, I drink it while I'm journaling and I can just tell that I feel way more on point. I feel way more focused all day and I do not have that afternoon crash that I typically get with any other brand. And if coffee isn't your thing, don't worry. They've got dark chocolate bars, organic with 72% cacao, flavors like mint, orange, and sea salt, zero refined sugars, and no weird crap or gums. You have a daily dark chocolate habit anyway. Why not make it super duper functional while you're at it? What's that? You still need an easier way to make this adaptogen habit stick? Done. They've got gummies too. Packed with a therapeutic dose into just two little vegan gummies. Two, not four or six because come on, no grown ass adult needs six gummies a day. But if you do, no judgment also. (laughs) And no, Earth and Star products do not taste like mushrooms. They will legit give you back your money if you even taste the slightest hint of shroominess. You're already drinking coffee. You're already eating chocolate. Why not do yourself a favor of making a simple healthy swap and get the benefits of functional mushrooms? You are worthy of feeling your best. So go check them out at earthandstar.com. Follow on social at earthandstarco and use the code GOLDIVY for 15% off your first order. And now to this episode of the Ivy Unleashed podcast. Happy month of love and welcome back to Ivy Unleashed. We are so grateful you're listening and here with us today. We love you. Yes, we're happy to talk about love. Like, why not? (laughs) We all want it. Anytime we do any self-growth, self-development, therapy, work on yourself, it's like, how do you feel loved Mm -hmm. and how are you showing love and what do you need to get back to that place of peace, which is in reality love. Mm -hmm. And so today we want to dive into all things love, how we feel loved, how we show love, what we've learned from books, our relationships, 
Uh, we both did a lot of reflecting on our relationships and we want to talk about what's going well, what we know we need to work on, what mm-hmm. we keep putting off, lots of things that involve our relationship with love. Up until recently, we followed the love languages. We believed in them. We were for sure words of affirmation people. If you're not familiar with the love languages, it's a book by Gary Chapman. And we recently listened to an episode of Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. And her and her wife, Abby, and her sister, they take a different spin on the love languages. That really got us thinking about, ooh, okay, they're right. So what do we think about it? Mm-hmm. What's different that we want to dive into today? Yeah, well, and they had such a great point where it's like, when you're thinking about love and relationships, like you just don't want to mess it up. Like everybody wants that pinnacle fairy tale that, you know, till death do us part, have a a great relationship. And if there's a book that has like the equation, the solution to finding- Just do these things. Yes. But find out what you love more. Right. So I know like when Justin and I got married, that book was gifted to us. I know that book is, it sold 20 million copies. So there's- some great pieces to it. And Brooke and I, that's what we like to do. We don't like to pick apart an author or pick apart things. It's like, let's take an experience or a book or what we've learned and apply what makes sense. And that's what we want you to do with our podcast episodes. Mm -hmm. It's like, you may not agree with everything we say, but we just want to get you thinking about, you know, how does this apply to me? How do I feel about this in my life? What can I take to make it a more positive experience? And so, We definitely want to get into, (laughs) you know, what we took from this book and how we apply it to our lives. Yeah. We end every episode with listen to your truth, right? Your truth is different than my truth and Andrea's truth. And this book, the five love languages are touch, physical touch, quality time, words of affirmation, acts of service, gifts, but they're not very personal or individualized was my takeaway after listening to We Can Do Hard Things, the podcast. It's their behaviors, right? But Different words of affirmation mean different things versus just saying, I love you. Yeah. Well, and I like how they talked about like your words mean shit. If you're not backing it up with like, if it's not, if you're not deeply connected to someone, your words are stupid. They make no sense. They don't even, I'm not going to take them (laughs) and, and really feel them within me. If I know you don't actually know who I am or we don't align on values, or if you're not backing it up with action, you know, love is a verb. Love is doing, you know? And so that's where like acts of service come in. So you can't just say like, I just need words. Although I do freaking love them. I am totally a words of affirmation. I show it by writing you a lovely text or telling you how I feel about you having deep chats like that fills my cup. I love hearing I'm proud of you. Or I I listened to your episode and I love this. Like that is a love language for me. Tell me you listen to Ivan Unleashed. (laughs) You tell me and actually show me. And that's the thing. People can say they listen to it, but I can tell if you do or not by what you say to me. I'm like, someone will say something to me like, oh, they clearly didn't listen to that episode because if they did, they would know. Yeah. What's more specific, right? When I was journaling, like, what about words of affirmation do I love? Like, why do I love words? What type of words do I love? And my love language is deep combos, Hence why we started a podcast. Like I don't like small talk. I like talking about 
your fear and the hard thing you went through and your story and what makes you, you. And when we get to that point in the conversation, I'm like, Ooh, this is the shit I live for. Same thing with like personalized notes. It has your authentic touch to it. It's not just a thank you note. It's a special sentence that actually says, I see you. Thank you for what you did. It's, it's more personable. And because of that, it's so different than everyone. And so I think it's important to find what that is for you. Mm-hmm. What within words of affirmation do you need to do to feel like you are giving love? Because at the end of the day, everything we do, I think, is for love. It's to either feel loved, to give someone else loved so that we feel like we're not alone in this world. Life is about relationships. Mm-hmm. And some people feel really connected when they give someone a gift or they receive a gift. Like my daughter, Cora, she, oh, she loves giving those gifts. She loves receiving them. I know a lot of people and it's just not my thing. Like I, I don't probably give the best gifts. And like when people give me a gift, I'm like, I probably have a shitty reaction or, you know, not what people are looking for. Cause I just, I don't know. It's hard to explain like things to me don't give me that warm, fuzzy feeling that it gives to certain people. So I think a big part of this too is not judging how other people experience love or, you know, or how they show it, how they receive it. I think it's, and I think as you age too, you see like, okay, I thought I really wanted words of affirmation from my husband, but like, actually I am super grateful acts of service is how he shows his love because he gets shit done around here. (laughs) And it's important when life is busy and you have a big household to run and multiple children, like, I need him to just do things to show me love. And so sometimes it's annoying because I'm like, hey, are we strangers? Like, have we talked in a while? And he's like, I put all of the laundry away. I was busy doing that. I'm like, shit, that's a good point. Thank you. (laughs) So you've been married 10 years. Um, By the time this airs, 12. 12. Excuse me. It's okay. It was two years ago already when I watched your kids for your 10 year anniversary. Mm -hmm. Wow. Time flies when you're running a business, huh? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So how did you have those conversations about love language. Like you obviously got this book, but then how did you establish, this is how I feel love and this is how I want to give you love? I think it's just life experience. And one big theme that I found in marriage is that you can't read each other's minds. You Mm -hmm. actually do have to have conversations. Like it sounds so silly, but you do, like part of you expects your mind to be read. Like, of course I wanted you to do the dishes. Of course I wanted you to do this. And he's like, I was doing six other things. I didn't know that one was the most important. I cannot read your mind, you know? And so it's like, you think when you've spent this much time together, you know, because Justin and I now have been together for 15 years, no, 16 years, 16 years that it's like, you, you think that they should be able to read your mind, but they can't, but they can't, (laughs) there's too much going on. And I think there is also something about understanding that your partner Again, this sounds so common sense, but we get stuck in our own heads. They have their own journey. They Mm -hmm. have their own thoughts, their own agendas, their own priorities. Yes, you're in the same household, but they are a completely different person. And so you can't expect them to always know what's going on in your mind. They have just as much going on in theirs. And just reality check, like listen a little bit more, ask a little bit more. I think it's just communication with when was the last time I touched him? When was the last time we spent some quality time together? When was the last time I actually said, thank you for putting all of the laundry away? You know, mm-hmm. what is the last time I've done something just out of like the love of my own heart for him to show him with acts of service that 
I'm taking care of stuff. Or when was the last time I got him a gift? Maybe he like feels like I suck at gifts, which I probably do. And I should probably put some thought into our anniversary present that I haven't gotten him yet. You know? Yeah. But in your defense, how do you know that if he doesn't tell you? You know, like communication is so important, yet it's not common practice. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard for us to communicate what we need, how we're feeling? Yeah. Well, I think it's the language piece. We speak different languages. Mm-hmm. Just and I sat down with Catherine, who I feel like we mentioned on every episode. <laughs> she is our one of our health coaches. And Just and I had a session with her and she was like, you are speaking two different languages mm. and both of you need to work a little bit more on getting familiar with the other person's language and initiating that language. So for me, I need to initiate touch more with Justin and he needs to initiate more words of affirmation with me without me telling him to. And I need to do that without him asking for it. But what if you don't want to touch him? Because like <laughs> in this episode of We Can Do Hard Things, right, their point was, okay, so I, my partner feels love by being touched. And so if I just touch him, our relationship will be fine. But it's deeper than that. It's if you feel emotionally connected, well, then you're more likely to touch him. So is that like each person needs their thing? I think it's a balance. I think that sometimes you need to just suck it up and <laughs> do the other person's language, even if, you know, sometimes you can feel so disconnected from someone. You're like, there is no way in hell I'm touching him. He's a stranger right now. But he feels the same way about me. There is no way that I'm ta- ta- having a conversation. I'm, she's a stranger. I haven't boned her lately, you know, <laughs> like, or made out with her or like just gotten a hug. It sounds so silly. We pass each other in the kitchen, but like, acknowledging yeah and just to initiate touch in the kitchen like it doesn't have to be sex Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to even be a makeout it could just be like sitting a little bit closer on the couch and like touching his hair like it sounds so silly or holding his hand somewhere or in in the car instead of me burying my face in my phone rubbing his back or Mm -hmm. touching his hand or you know it's like all those little things that over time you can really lose track of when was the last time I did that? I think living together and being together for so long <laughs> is different. And that in itself makes it tough because you are so comfortable with each other. You spend so much time together where for me, I'm 10 years younger. I'm in a relationship, but I'm not married. I don't have kids. We don't live together. So it's like when we do see each other, I want to be touching you nonstop. Now, is that my love language? I don't know. So... I think it's different for everyone because we're all different, yes, but the stage of the relationship that we're in. Like, I have friends who are same age. They're not married. They don't have kids, but they live together, and they are still figuring out how do we coexist Mm -hmm. but also keep nurturing our relationship. Yeah. Well, kind of circling back to episode 118 with Lindsay Roberts and her divorce, I think – she was asleep. Mm, I think mm-hmm. Mike was asleep and Lindsay was asleep on their marriage where they were not talking about anything. Yeah. She didn't even know how to talk to him. And I think, and not even just talking, I think it's like in your mind, are you conscious of what's happening in your relationship? Are you even thinking about where it's at and where you want it to be? Or? And where you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what you want out of this relationship? Because I think people get so comfortable and it might not be what they want, but it's com- it's comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have to work at it. Yeah. And to want to get what they really want 
is work and it takes hard conversations, takes self-reflection to do that deep work of what would really make me happy. Mm-hmm. I think it it's so complicated. Like there's a lot of gray when it comes to relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's Dan, Danny J also has this process with her partner where they have a thing called the jar. Mm-hmm. So I think I might be botching this, but I think it's like judgments, assumptions and resentments or something like that. That idea scares me. Well, <laughs> you don't actually put it in a jar. It's just like in your mind, right? In your mind, in your jar, do you have an assumption of what I'm thinking or doing or something? Are you holding on to some type of resentment? Because if you, you have to admit this, we all have resentments, right? Like you wish they would have opened the car door for you. It could be that small. I like, say something. You I what? just get it out. <laughs> like, oh, I thought, oh, okay. I got it. I'm good. <laughs> Like, I think I've gotten way more comfortable of not letting things build. Yes. This is like, things are good. I don't want to ruin it. Like, Mm -hmm. are we on the same page? I don't know. What if I say something where now I'm comfortable enough to, I'm just going to say it right away. Yeah. I think that's a really good practice when you're not engaged, married, have kids together, because you start out the relationship with like, we're going to have full exposure to what we are doing or not doing. It will be called out because, and that's how I was in relationships before I was married is like, I had like a really low tolerance for any bullshit. (laughs) It was like, nope, actually, you're not going to talk to me like that. Or actually, nope, I'm not okay with that. Mm -hmm. Or my friend said this was going down. Was that really going down? Were you really flirting that hardcore when I was not in the room with that person? Like all out on the table that you will not get away with shit with me. And I don't want to get away with shit. Like, yeah. It's going to get more complicated. It's going to get more complex with career and kids and getting older. And if you don't have full transparency right away and full, like, we are going to have high standards in this relationship, it's just going to get harder. Mm -hmm. Learning how to communicate before you're married, Mm -hmm. before you have kids. Poor Ian. He's just like, okay, I'm like, (laughs) I'm going to bring home some dr jack's intimacy cards we're going to ask each other some hard questions let's maybe sign up for therapy how else every hour on the hour let's ask each other questions it's got to be exhausting being in a relationship with us but he knows what he's getting into (laughs) and he's still here he is he is but i love i love the idea of having those standards and i think it's easier before you are married before you are in a relationship to know what are you going to put up with? Not that you get in a relationship and things are just kind of rubbing you the wrong way, but you don't really know what to say. Or for me in my last relationship, it was always being dismissed. My feelings were always dismissed that I got to the point where I'm like, who the hell am I? I was sick. And so that was already a mind F. And now you're trying to tell me that you saying those things are me being sensitive. Like what? So I think for those people that are listening right now that are in relationships where they're not necessarily happy, I would invite them to not think about their partner right now. Think about what are those standards, those boundaries that you need to set, whether it's investing in a coach that can help you process what's going on, talking to a friend, buying a journal and starting a journal practice, because we can't love someone else we can't get the love that we feel like we deserve if we don't know what it is we deserve, right? Mm-hmm. You have to work on that self-love relationship first. And so I think it's really easy for us to talk about this in a way because we are in really healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. What I would look at it compared to other relationships I've been in. Like, I think it's very easy to tell Ian, 
deep conversations are important and like a conversation at lunch about gold ivy means so much to me and like he knows that but not everyone is in that point in their relationships or even in a relationship so I just kind of want to preface that as we're talking I'm thinking like what if someone is in a really unhealthy relationship that is listening right now like what would we tell them to do what would we want to hear yeah well whenever I think of that I always think of kind of society and this picture that's been painted of what it should look like right where it's like it's supposed to be this fairy tale but of course it's not right and I think some people have reservations around sharing what's going on in their relationship because you know we paint this picture on social media of we went to this place and now we're going on this date or we're buying these things and it's like but are we talking about what's really going on in our relationship how are your finances how's your intimacy what are you afraid of? What do you feel like you're putting up with that you probably shouldn't? How do you guys handle household tasks and dividing that? Like the real life shit. Yeah, like what are the assumptions that you feel like your husband has about what you should be doing? And what are the assumptions you have about what he should be doing? Like how does that work in your circle? Mm-hmm. Like Brit Williams and I have a really open relationship talking about household chores and what that should look like. And she wants to like swap with her husband and do all the outside stuff and have him do the inside stuff. It's so funny. But thinking about that, like how are you handling those responsibilities in your relationship? Who's carrying the emotional weight of the relationship? Probably the woman. And like, how do you navigate that? Are you guys open to therapy? Have you ever done any counseling? Like admitting and just knowing none of our relationships are perfect. And so let's talk about, let's get ideas what have you guys done to like create more connection? Mm -hmm. Like, and I think you can't talk about love and relationships without acknowledging how much your family of origins Mm -hmm. relationships, whether your parents were together or not, what you witnessed as a child for relationships, how much that affects, you know, like my standards were really high because I had really shitty examples of (laughs) connection Mm -hmm. and whether it was my parents, it was my siblings relationships with, other women, or it was my friend's parents not communicating. Like, I don't really feel like I had a healthy relationship to, to see modeled for me. And so I was like reading books and as I, I grew up, like listening to podcasts and things, get ideas of like, I don't want to settle for that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to not talk to my partner. And I also don't want to blow up at my partner. I also don't want to betray my partner. I don't want, and you can't control all of these things. And I definitely think I got hyper fixated on it. Like I will not have that in my relationship, you know, which is funny because I feel like a lot of the time with childhood, with trauma, like you seek out in those relationships, what you had, like you repeat that cycle. Cause it's familiar. Cause it's familiar. But it sounds like for you, you were like, no, 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 this is not going to be my reality. And that's interesting. It's like you acknowledge that from a young age. And I, th- I feel like most people don't, right? Unless, yeah, I don't know. It kind of goes both ways because in some ways, Justin is completely opposite of my father. In some ways, he's very similar. And so the, the emotional piece I'm very familiar with. Like mm-hmm. my dad, very positive, very fun, golfer, um, But like emotionally unavailable at some points, like if you get a little bit too vulnerable, it's like, let's, uh, when are we golfing next? Or what are we going to have for dinner? You know, keep it light. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that they can't go there, but their tendency. And I think it just honestly has a lot to do with being a male Mm -hmm. is like, well, what are we doing here? Why are we, why are we going 
you know, it's just Mm -hmm. a little uncomfortable. Yeah. How do you feel like it shows up in your relationship now? Your origin? I've been exploring this a lot and I feel like it's not just with Justin and it's kind of with all my relationships. So it's not just like my dad and Justin that I model, but it's from my childhood. I saw a lot of like dark moments. I witnessed a ton of like denigration everywhere. It's like I, people would talk poorly about the others when they weren't there. And it would be like people that you should have their back. And so, and then there was betrayal all over the map that I saw and heard of. And I just felt like, I think a bunch of walls went up Mm -hmm. and I'm super personable and I love connecting with everyone. So you wouldn't really think I don't trust people, but I'm always kind of waiting for the shoe to drop. Mm -hmm. And so how it shows up for me is like, and it's mostly, I think in my mind, like hyper independence. Okay. If Justin cheats on me, I'll be fine because I've got my career and I've got these dreams and I can run the household when he's gone on a business trip. And when he's like gone on a business trip, I'm like, all right, let's show myself. I will be fine. If you cheat on me out there, I'm going to be fine. I can run this household. I can keep it organized. I can make my money, all these things. And it's like, this is all happening in my mind and it's so twisted. <laughs> and so it's like, he's constantly showing me he's trustworthy. Not that either of us are angels or perfect, but he constantly keeps showing me he's a trustworthy guy. He sees the good in people. He sees mm-hmm. the good in me. And it's like, I'm constantly looking for the, like, how is he thinking negatively of me? How, like, what part like of Looking him, for the bad. It's, it's cause it's self, it's a self-protective mechanism where mm-hmm. I am trying to be prepared for the shoe to drop. And I don't need to. It's mm-hmm. like an old coping mechanism that I did need as a child. I did need to protect myself. I did need to like, troubleshoot and make sure I was going to be safe and okay. Cause I grew up in a really chaotic environment, but it's like, it's so peaceful here. Like Justin's not looking for a fight ever. <laughs> He's like just mowing the grass and like trying to watch football mm-hmm. and like play with our kids. And he's very like an innocent guy in, mm-hmm. in general. And I'm always wondering like what thoughts I need to be prepared for mm-hmm. that he might be having. And it's like, it's exhausting. How do you rewire that conditioning? Like you said, you've been exploring it. Yeah. So what are you doing to help with that? I'm assuming that people have the best intent. Mm. They have the best intent. They are doing their best. And knowing also that if he does cheat on me, I can't control it. You know, and I do trust him out and about. Like, I'm not going to sit home and worry if he's cheating on me. That's like one thing I haven't really worried about. Cause it's like, I will find out and I will be fine. So we're not going to worry about that one. I feel like it's more of me showing myself, like, I will find the thing first that mm-hmm. I need to be protective of, whether it's- Let a, me be two steps ahead of you. Yes. Yeah. And it's not just with him, it's with everyone. And no one knows I'm thinking it in my mind. It sounds so terrible, but I'm just trying to keep proving to myself I'm going to be okay no matter who betrays me because I grew up around so much betrayal. Yeah. I think there's a way to hold space for both, right? To work on yourself, to know you are okay, but to also see the good in other people. Mm-hmm. Like it's nurturing both of those sides because inside of you is that little girl that's like, but what if? Like this is what I saw. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can rewire and neuroplasticity, but I also believe at the end of the day, like there's still that little kid in you that's like, shit. <laughs> Yeah. But it's getting smaller. Like it's getting, becoming a smaller issue. Like I Mm -hmm. have forgiven 
a lot of those mistakes that I used to hold on to and be really upset about as a kid. Like I have so much more compassion for both of my parents because they had such terrible childhoods and they crushed parenting compared to what they experienced. Right. And we're all, we all have our little kid inside of us. So like, I don't want to make anybody feel bad for how they're handling their journey. I want to like see the good in them and know that anything they're saying or doing, it really has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. Like obviously in our own minds, we're like trying to protect ourselves, but it's not necessary, you know, most of the time. Mm-hmm. You're identifying what is still kind of holding you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's exhausting to think like that. It's not good for anybody. So mm-hmm. to continually journal, pray, I think the more I'm connected to my faith and journaling, I just see the good more. I, I can see other people trying their best. I can see that no one's looking to betray me. Mm-hmm. No one's looking to hurt me. Everybody's literally just doing their best. <laughs> and so I'm sure when you're yeah. feeling on fire with yourself, when you're journaling practices on fleek and you're going to church every Sunday and you're praying, like that reflects in your relationships. Mm-hmm. And I think about when I feel good and on fire, like my relationship is great. Or we can have hard conversations, but I feel more comfortable in having those hard conversations because I'm coming from a place where I'm clear headed. I know what I want. I can hold space for whoever I'm speaking to, right? What they're going through. So I think as we talk about all these like love languages, it all comes back to you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like your childhood affects your relationship now? Or I should say relationships it doesn't have to be romantic. It could be yeah, any relationship. I would say in the beginning of my relationship with Ian and then all previous it was when I would voice concern or Ian could see that I was upset he would immediately call and I was not used to that like I was used to I say something and I don't have a father I stick up for myself and they leave or I yeah basically to put it I stick up for myself and they leave and so I think I, my protective mechanism was, no, I'm not having this conversation. Like, cause I didn't know it. It was so foreign to me that I could not be okay. And the other person wouldn't run. They would come closer. Holy shit. (laughs) I think this is what love and a healthy relationship is, but I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. And so it would take everything in my power to hit answer. Like, and it sounds so silly, but like, I hate confrontation. I don't like fighting. Like I am much better. I will just be okay on my own. Like same as you, I'm independent. I will figure this out on my own. If it involves conflict. That's how it's going to end up anyway. Yeah. Like I'm not going to hurt myself. And I think a lot of it had to do with my previous relationship of my feelings always being dismissed. And so I would get so awkward and uncomfortable on how to speak how I was feeling. And so if that comes back to my childhood of not having a father figure, my feelings not being validated, just I think my subconscious and my brain protect me from my childhood. Like I don't have a lot of, I have a lot of pivotal moments of my childhood that I remember, but it's really hard for me to put myself back in certain moments or to think about like, third grade or like fun, exciting things. And so it's, I feel like when it comes to relationships, 
I'm lucky enough to have healthy relationships to model now. Like I have purposefully, I purposely came to Minnesota because my family was here. My cousins were here, including you. You know, people that I was drawn toward, drawn towards to learn and grow, like what healthy relationships look like. It's still something I'm processing because I did have healthy relationships to look at growing up, right? I had grandparents that loved each other. I had a mom that was always there and she's trying to process like her kid's dad wanting nothing to do with them, like how hard that must have been. Um, But I still think there's something about not having a father in your life that just really fucks you up, (laughs) to put it point blank. And I've done the therapy, I've done the work, I've forgiven. But I think right now in my life, it takes being super intentional about how I want my relationship to look. And then coming from a like emotionally abusive relationship, being sick, it's like right now I'm feeling good. And the last five years of my life have been survival mode, have been therapy, have un- have been like rewiring things that I almost am like, I can create whatever life I want. Like, what do I want my relationships to look like? right now what is healthy you know I in the past have always like been in a relationship and it's always gone super fast and when I got on my past relationship I came back to Minnesota and I was like absolutely no boys and Ian was like hi remember me and I was like fuck I love you (laughs) this is happening but we took our relationship super slow like we've been together for three years and I feel like we're more comfortable with each other now than ever but it did take a long time to get to this point and all of our friends getting married, living together. And I'd be like, oh, why are we moving so slow? But then I think about, we had our own healing to do. We had our own dreams. Like it all makes sense. And your journey, your relationship is your relationship. And so what it, what does it take to nurture my relationship right now? Like I still have to take into account those things that are automatic for me that I have to pause and be like, you can talk. This is you not can the say what's on your mind. This situation like, what like how is my conditioning yes affecting what I want to say or I'm feeling right now like, yeah he's not going to dismiss my feelings like I just I just remember in the beginning of our relationship him always wanting to be be okay and like saying sorry and like not wanting to fight and I like would want to fight I'd want some drama like I grew up with drama like this is so foreign to me and now I'm like yeah so you'd want the drama because it was familiar, but you don't like confrontation. So how does that work? That's a great question. I think having time where like we don't talk, if that makes sense. Like the closing off is the drama. Oh, okay. You know, like my dad leaves. We don't talk. There's like this elephant in the room. Got it. I protect myself by going inward with, at the time growing up, a lot of different relationships whether it be childhood friends, fighting. So like silent treatment is what you're kind of used to. And there's drama in that of, are they yes. coming? Are they going? Are they going to talk to me? What What are they thinking? That's your drama instead of like an explosive actual confrontation. Yeah. Okay. And I think I never processed or like it, it's so unfamiliar to me up until this point to say how I'm feeling, to vocalize like how I'm feeling and for it to not be dismissed that now it's new, like talking about, and I'm really, I don't, I wouldn't say worried, but intrigued to see how living together with Ian will go. Cause when his lease is up in August, we'll live together. So it's like, what do we need to do? What do I need to prepare myself for? Mm-hmm. 
because last time I lived with someone, it was not a good situation, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. So well, something I think that you do like naturally because you don't live together is like having your autonomy, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that's really important for Justin and I too. And I think that's why both of our relationships jive so well because not that either of us are not saying we're not codependent. Like I definitely like talking with Terry Cole. I'm like, Ugh, reading her book, like codependency is not what exactly what I thought it was. And if you have not listened to episode 86, go back and listen. It is so powerful. But the autonomy of like Justin and I talked about this before we got even engaged. It was like, I want you to pursue your dreams. Mm-hmm. I want you to do the things you like. When he proposed to me, I literally said, I need you to know I am never going to scuba dive with you. <laughs> like, if you want that girl, it's not me. Mm-hmm. I freaking hate sharks. I'm scared to death of them. And I want to have my life and your life. And I, I want you to know that there's some things I'm not going to do just because you're married to me. Mm-hmm. Or, and I don't want you to change who you are to be married to me. I like who you are. And I want you to like who I am forever, right? And thinking about how we weave that in. And, you know, I've mentioned this a few times in, in some episodes, but Jess and I each have a day of the week where we get to have that autonomy. Mm-hmm. Do Go do whatever you want, Andrea, on Monday night. I got the kids. I got dinner. I got bedtime. You want to work. You want to record. You want to go have some wine. You want to go freaking sleep upstairs at 8 p.m.? Do it because I want you to take what you need and be who you are and fill your cup up. And Justin's Thursday. Go golf. Go do live your best life. I got it. And I think that's what works for us. But I think it's important to feel like you have the space to know mm-hmm. what you want. What do I want? Like in my relationship, is this what I like? What do I like and what I what don't I like? And I'm not saying you need to get a divorce, but I, I think you need to get connected to what's missing. Mm-hmm. Where does Where do these values come from? Are they my values? You know, if I could have this picture perfect relationship, what would it look like? And how can I maybe have a little bit messier version weaved into my life or even just ask your spouse or your partner, you know, are we happy? Like, is there anything missing when it comes to the five love languages? Is there something that you wish I did a little bit more? Or, you know, maybe just asking for what you need a little bit more. I feel like it's that awakening of mm-hmm. what do I, what am I missing in my relationships? And maybe it's not even your romantic one. Maybe it's a friendship. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's what you need out of your friendships to feel more connected to others because maybe you are, you have a great relationship with your spouse or partner and you're really missing that outside connection for more autonomy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, maybe not like physical touch. With yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, maybe I like touching people. Um, <laughs> but I think about these love languages and like, I, I like all of them. I want all of them, but I want them in a certain way. Like gifts, I don't want random things. Like I don't like clutter, stresses me out, but meaningful gifts are so powerful. Like I thought of you, you know, like my friend Nat, she knows that cardinals are my sign, they're my thing. And when she was checking out at some store, she saw this little cardinal that's like a good luck charm. And she gave it to me and I was like, this is probably the best gift I've ever received. Like things like that, that are so a tiny little cardinal Yeah, that I keep with me everywhere. So cute. Or, you know, like Ian words of affirmation, Brooke, you would love this. And as he's watching basketball, the guy has a cardinal tattoo. Like those little things that like, you know, me, you see me, you know, going back to values, like, you know, what's important to me, what makes me feel like me. 
I think all of these things are so important. Quality time, like you need to spend time together, but what actually feels like quality time? Is it sitting down at a restaurant or like that's not really quality time for me sometimes because my stomach hurts and I can't be fully present. You know, like knowing, I think being at such a deep level with your person and yourself and yourself that you, you know, these things, like, you know, what acts of service you really like or like could care less about. I think kind of what you're saying is that you need to feel seen, heard, and understood. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is to truly know yourself. We talk about it all the time, but it's so important. What do you need of the love languages? But what does that actually mean? And maybe your love language is completely different. Maybe your love language is like dishes. Literally, if you just do the dishes, I feel so loved or, you know, whatever it may be. If you make me my coffee every day, I will feel so loved. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. But establishing what that is, feeling seen, feeling heard, feeling understood yourself so that you can express that to someone else, whoever it may be. And it's tricky because we're always evolving. Mm -hmm. So it's always going to change. So this work is never done. So keep having these conversations with yourself and with those that you're in relationships with, whether it's friends, family, your significant other. This is an business partner. Oh, you want to, you want me to tell you what I need? Yes. <laughs> Always. And I just want to acknowledge that I think we are so comfortable now talking about these really personal things. Like this is vulnerable shit to talk about. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of thank me you. for, thank and thank you to Ian and Justin for being okay <laughs> with these conversations uh, because it's super personal. But the reason we share this information is because you can see yourself or not see yourself and the things that we're saying, Mm -hmm. you know, what works for you and what you're resonating with. It's important that you're tuning into those things because how you interpret it and what you do with it is why we're here. Mm -hmm. Like we're here to kind of, you know, I was listening to Drew Barrymore the other day when she was on, on Jay Shetty's On Purpose podcast and her talking about her life story is very different than mine, but I was resonating so much with her story and how she feels loved and how she's scared of love and all these things. And it's like, the more we talk about these things in your friendships, in your relationships, it just makes it normal Mm -hmm. to know that we just want more love. It's plain and simple. We just want to feel love and to show love. Yeah. And we believe that stories are what set us free, right? Set us free from pain. You hear what someone's been through, you resonate with it, you grab a tool that they've used and you help free yourself from the pain that you're trapped in. So we will leave you this episode, like we leave every episode with three gold stars, just to kind of wrap up what we talked about. So you can pull a nugget from it and move forward to help free yourself from any pain you're going through. If it's relationship, if it's with yourself of what do I really want? Right, so our three gold stars of this episode, number one is determine the top three ways you feel love and show love and communicate them to someone. Number two, reflect and journal on how your family of origin affects how you give and receive love. And number three, identify something within your personal life, maybe a story you're telling yourself that is no longer serving you and what that first step is to decondition it. And for your piece of gold, this comes from Gabrielle Bernstein. She says... When we surrender to love, we can experience our darkest moment as the greatest catalyst for transformation. This is Gold Ivy signing off. Listen to your truth and go chase your gold.